0: Welcome to the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcast, giving you the latest evidence based research and cutting edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubbs.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to season three of the Dr. Bubbs Performance Nutrition Podcast, where you'll find evidence based insights from world leading experts to take your game to the next level. All right, we're fast approaching the end of the year here, as well as the end of season three, and we've got a lot of exciting changes coming across in 2020 to help impact clients and athletes achieve their performance targets. And so on that note, what better person to have on the show than the ultimate change maker in the nutrition space, Mr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, the world's largest nutrition coaching education and software company. He's also the founder of the Changemaker Academy, devoted to helping you turn your passion for health and fitness into a powerful purpose and successful career. John has advised Apple, Equinox, Nike, and Titleist, as well as the San Antonio Spurs, Carolina Panthers, U.S. Open champion Sloan Stevens, and two-division UFC champ George St. Pierre. John was also named one of the 20 smartest coaches in the world and 100 most influential people in health and fitness. In this episode, John discusses his story and how his life was dramatically changed by fitness and a key mentor during his youth. John shares those career changing moments when he realized his purpose and how you, with your unique abilities and values, can align that with your purpose to truly achieve something special John talks a lot about career development how to level up as well as his new project the change maker Academy he shares his thoughts on the importance of being honest with yourself about your strengths and your weaknesses and of course he himself shares a lot of stories and anecdotes in the book so definitely a terrific terrific resource uh, overall and of course heading into the new year As usual, you can find the links and the podcast summary in the show notes at drbubs.com forward slash podcast. And if you're interested in more on this topic and the topic of mindset, you can circle back to Season 2, Episode 35, Sports Psychology, Energy Management, and the Champions Mindset with Dr. Peter Jensen. Or this season, Season 3, with Coach Roy Rana of the NBA's Sacramento Kings on leadership, building culture, and learning from failure. All right, this episode is sponsored by my new book, Peak, the new science of athletic performance that is revolutionizing sports. A number one bestseller on Amazon in Canada, the USA and the UK. Brian Marshall, strength and development coach of the Vancouver Canucks says, Peak is the new must have reference for everything high performance. It should be a staple resource for anyone in the high performance industry. You can check out all the expert blurbs at athleteevolution.org. That's athleteevolution.org. And if you want to share some feedback, please use the hashtag GoPeak on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and make sure to tag me at Dr. Bubbs so I can uh, share in those comments. Awesome, let's do this. Season 3, Episode 39 with John Baratti. JB, thanks so much for taking the time today. Mark, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And everyone who's about to listen, thank you too. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm really looking forward to diving into something that you've been working on for, for quite a few years now, and uh, you know your new book and project, Changemakers. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about what made you decide to write this book?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, change, and so just so everyone knows what it's about, Changemaker, the subtitle is Turn Your Passion for Health and Fitness into a powerful purpose, and a wildly successful career. And so the reason for this book, the the genesis, was really, you know, for the longest time, most people who know me know about my work with Precision Nutrition. So, you know, the science of nutrition initially, getting my PhD in that subject, and then uh, working into sort of behavioral change, change psychology, and bringing uh, the best practices of that into you know, fitness and health coaching. And so, you know, having done that for years, you know, my purpose, you know, was around this idea of leaving the industry a better place uh, for me having been here. And I, I really unpacked that in three ways. One is I'd love for the coaches um, that have been exposed to my work and the work of our company to uh, treat or see their clients totally differently than coaches have had. You know, a, a vision of their clients in the past. Mm-hmm. The second was that they see themselves and their orientation to their work differently. And the third is that through those two things, the entire field will mature. And my premise is the field is very young. You know, like if someone works as a personal trainer, for example, this has only really been a thing for like forty years, for sure. You know? <laughs> and most, you know, most fields are much more mature than that so when people shake their fists at the uh, contradictory nutrition studies and the unclear exercise recommendations um i get it it is frustrating very much like what you and i were talking about before we started recording both parents of young children uh parenting toddlers is frustrating at times. Yeah, that's and, the norm. Yeah. And that's what the field is. It's a toddler, it's just a little baby field, you know? And so for me, you know, I was doing all that through the vehicle of, of nutrition coaching, so coaching clients and then also training professionals. We, we have the world's largest nutrition certification. And um, as I, you know, as PN was going through a transition of its own where I was about to step down as the owner of the company. And um, as an operator in the company, um, it it occurred to me that I could probably do this work on a bigger scale if I talked about career development for professionals. And you know, for those who know, you know, Precision Nutrition became a very big and influential company. And um, and I, I started out as a personal trainer myself. And so this career path I've been through over the last thirty years, I, I think I've learned a ton. And a lot of people are always asking <laughs> sure. me like hey, you know, how, did, how did you do this? How can I go about doing this? And I felt like this would just be the perfect time as my work at PN was winding down to capture everything I've learned over the last 30 years and hand it back to the industry, an industry that's been so good to me, uh, saved my life when I started in it and changed my life as I went forward and allowed me to change other lives you know, throughout the course of it. So it just felt like the perfect thing to do to capture all these lessons, to share all these stories, and then to give people an actual blueprint for how they can do this kind of thing themselves. And this kind of thing doesn't necessarily mean grow a big company. It just means make a difference, you know, and and be compensated and create a career around that. Because you and I both know, um, for all the people who start out in the field, super passionate, about helping others, super passionate about making change in the world through fitness and nutrition and sleep and stress management and all the things we know are so super important. Very few of them make a career out of it. Um, and so for me, I, I think that's a shame and I think there ought to be a curriculum. So that was sort of the genesis of the book. You know, How can I hand that off to people and say, take these steps, and oh, by the way, this isn't just a proprietary system or something, mm-hmm. this is what I exactly did. And, um, here's the stories of how it worked out.
1: You, you definitely share a lot of great personal stories and, you know, I think, uh, and people obviously have huge impacts in lives and we often don't see that when it's happening. It's only on looking back and, you know, at the start Mm -hmm. of the book, you talk about, you know, someone who took an interest in you when you were just a young kid getting into nutrition, getting into exercise, not sure where you were headed. Can you share a little bit of that story with listeners? Yeah,
2: completely. I mean, this is sort of the most impactful mentorship I've had in my entire life. Um, And most important, uh, I was definitely a bad high school student. I was getting in a lot of trouble. I was skipping a lot of school. I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot underage. I had been arrested three times by the time I was 17. So I wasn't on a good path. And uh, there was one night in particular, which was really like the capstone of, of this experience, which was you know I was out with with some friends, uh, drinking and driving, go ahead, judge me, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. deserve it. And we we got into a, a crash, and uh, I, it was it was like a movie type scene, you know, where um, you know we're driving down the road, the driver was goofing off and like swerving the car, and we ended up hitting a curb. And I knew this area pretty well, and. We started doing 360s across the road as we lost control of the vehicle, and I knew that where we were headed was just a heavily wooded area, and that. I, so in my mind, I was sure we were going to die, and um, and so the car shot off the embankment, and I was like, "This wow. is it." And I, I saw the scene, like like you again in the movies. Um, I, I saw scenes from my life in these few seconds, right? Like I saw my. Brother and I playing when we were kids I saw pivotal moments in my life and the very last scene I saw was uh, Myself being lowered into the ground And my parents just sort of standing looking down Grieving and ashamed Wow, and I remember like that was That was what I interpreted like here are these people experiencing the loss of their child and they're so super sad obviously but also Ashamed at the who I who I'd become, you know, and so spoiler alert, we didn't die. <laughs> we uh miraculously, uh, the car landed between two trees, it knocked the side view mirrors off, scraped up the sides. We had to climb out, you know, of the windows to get out, but no one was hurt. And for me, that was the wake up call, you know, like, hey do something different with your life, man, you know? And, uh, and the interesting part is, you know, like you could leave that story and be like, and then I, you know, straightened myself up and went to school and day, turned yeah. it around. But usually uh, what you don't hear about is this sort of, this gap in between the old life and the new life, which, which is what I sat in for quite a long time. You know i i decided i wasn't going to hang out with those friends anymore um so now i have no social network i decided i wasn't going to use alcohol and drugs to cope with my feelings anymore Uh, so now i had no coping mechanisms you know so i just i pretty much worked and uh, during that time i discovered the gym and that was when craig an individual who owned the gym who was a competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter uh found me one day flailing around took me under his wing and uh, he made me his training partner, and uh, you know, over the next two years, I put on seventy pounds of muscle. And he would give me books to read, like self-help books and philosophy books, and all kinds of things. And he made me promise I would go to university and and get my stuff together. And so, over the course of those two years, we obviously became very close friends. We spent a tremendous amount of time together. He was about twelve years older, and um, he helped me build my body and my mind and. Gave me a job at the gym. He owned a series of gyms, and um, that really set me off on this new path. So I started going to community college to, you know, get good enough grades to go to university, and uh, and it was really that sort of coaching, mentorship, support, uh, encouragement, accountability that turned everything around for me. And um, so that's why I say, like, I, I really feel like this field saved my life. And, um, now this book, you know, the creation of it, um, feels like a full circle kind of thing for me, you know, cause I'm mm-hmm. like this thing so many years ago was so impactful and helped me so much. Like, is there a way I could try and replicate that for others in some
1: way? Yeah. I mean, it's such a, a compelling story and just shows the magnitude of which, the industry can have an impact on someone's life, obviously, and dramatically change it. And previously you mentioned, unfortunately, the attrition rate in the profession as well. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think the struggles are similar even in, in you know, strength and conditioning. And, you know, even in medicine, when we see GPs now, you know, the stress rates are, you know, up mm-hmm. to three quarters of, of primary caregivers and the attrition rate in the front lines is also extremely high. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about, you know, nutritionists or trainers spending so much time doing a lot of the the groundwork over and over with our clients, right? And, mm-hmm. and not being able to develop real systems that allow, again, trainer nutritionists to, to kind of dig deeper or to accelerate the progress. Can you talk about mm-hmm. the importance of, of trying to automate those things or, or maybe how much uh, can we really automate? Yeah,
2: well, you know, I think there's a couple pieces to this. And the place I always, always like to begin is – You know, some of this burnout isn't necessarily just the work. Uh, Sometimes it's the you and work fit, you Mm know? Um, So, I grew up in an immigrant family so I was destined to become a doctor or a lawyer (laughs) and so I I did my pre-med undergraduate degree and even though I had this like impactful experience that I described earlier you know when I decided to go to school I'm like oh well you know people who come from immigrants go become doctors or lawyers and so that conditioning was so heavy and so I did my undergrad pre-med and then I applied to all the med schools and I got into some med schools and then at the 11th hour, I was just like, I don't think I want to do this. I was really lucky in this regard. Like something like there's, there's a contrarian in me that, 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 you know, for better or worse has been with me for a long time was just like, I need to question the process here. Um, What do I actually like? You know, I like exercise and nutrition. Okay, well, I'm going to go do a master's in exercise science instead. So imagine, like, how stupid everyone thought I was, you know? Like, you got into med school at, you know, UCSD. Like, I could have been in San Diego studying medicine. (laughs) Pretty Uh, pretty good life, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you're going to go to, you know, uh, Eastern Michigan University to do an exercise science master's?
1: you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> you at the know? time you get a lot of funny looks, right?
2: Yeah, and and but I, I was lucky enough to have some intuition that there has to be like a, a you and career path match. And this is what I see a lot of people doing wrong. And that's why I think a lot of people in the field, in medicine, in strength and conditioning, uh, getting burnt out or leaving because um, they're choosing... to copy someone else's path, quite frankly. You know, it's, and I see this a lot and it happens in entrepreneurship around health and fitness, but it even happens in the well-worn paths like becoming a doctor, like becoming a naturopath, like becoming a strength and conditioning coach, Mm -hmm. you know, like becoming a nutritionist or personal trainer. And so uh, we spend a lot of time in the book unpacking that idea of how can you, you know, come up with a unique purpose that's based on your origin story uh, use your unique abilities like what makes you special to serve that purpose and then use your values to set the boundaries or the guidelines for how you'll operate like how far you're willing to go to do certain things um, how you'll balance out the other priorities in your life and so this is, this is part of it. You know, I think you can get more efficient with systems. And again, we talk about that in the book. And I think it's really, really important to use appropriate systems, which I, I want to talk more about in a second. But no amount of systeming is going to fix a bad match yeah, if you're exactly. living someone else's life. You know what I mean? Like, we need to figure out how to connect you with the life you're supposed to live which is, you know, in this context, the career path you're supposed to be down. And I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, there was a woman that I, I was uh, hanging out with, I had lunch with at an event recently, and uh, she was telling me this story. She used to be a special project manager at Microsoft working often directly with Bill Gates. And she's really, really good at what she does. And um, she ended up... Um, you know, getting pregnant, having her first child uh, after you know, she had her son was like, oh, man, uh, reorientation of priorities, right? Like
1: For sure, life-changing I mean, moment. Yeah,
2: I'm really good at what I do, but wow, I mean, I, I work a lot. I don't get a lot of time for self-care, and if I keep this up, I won't even have much family time. So she ended up signing up for Precision Nutrition's coaching program. She lost a bunch of weight, really oriented differently to exercise nutrition sleep and stress management and then um, decided to leave Microsoft and so now the, obviously someone doesn't get to that level of in their career without being a total ass kicker right so yeah, she's for like, sure you know, putting this mindset towards what she wants to do next. And she decides she wanted to be a coach at precision nutrition. So we have, you know, our level one and our level two certification. We have our then uh, folks who go through that. If they want to eventually have a chance of working with us, they do a a mentorship program and internship program. So there's like a pathway to Mm -hmm. doing that. Right. So she went through the path. She rocked it all. And she never ended up getting hired. She applied three times and was just like, God, these people, you know. What's going on here? This is not right. Um, And so she was telling me this. Uh, She she was sad uh, about it. There were some tears at our lunch, you know. And at the very end, after, you know, she wasn't crying anymore, I was like, I'm going to say something that's going to seem really weird and maybe even a bit hurtful, but I'm really glad you were never hired. And she was like, What? What, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you're supposed to be consoling me right yeah, now. Yeah, this is not what I want to hear. And I was like, Well, it means our hiring process worked. Um, you, should, you shouldn't be a coach. Like, your unique abilities are in a different area. People who are butt kicking project managers don't make great coaches because of the unique constellation of skills and experiences that allow you to do one aren't going to make you successful in the other. And this is what successful people have a hard time with sometimes. They're just like, oh, I can do anything, right? Yeah, I can be great at
1: every domain,
2: right? Yeah, and and maybe you can do anything. But wouldn't it be awesome if you were doing the thing that felt easy and you were world-class at? And this is the definition of unique abilities. It's the thing that you uh, are or can be world-class at. And and so uh, among those things... Uh, the things that you're actually enjoy doing as well. And then, third, the thing that can make a difference. You know, if it's professional, it's in, in whatever metrics of meaning you're measuring, right? So, this is unique abilities. Like, imagine if you could spend all your work time doing stuff that you are, or could be world class at, love, and, and could get better at for the rest of your career and never get bored with it or sick of it. And it actually moves the needle in terms of the things that you're measuring. Like, that's the dream. Right. So I'm like you as a coach to this person uh, isn't the dream like that would be you copying someone else's life. And that is a lower probability effort. What she ended up doing, which is, you know, the sort of hopeful upswing to this story is she ended up getting a job working with a health and fitness company as a project manager to the founder. Right. So she's doing the work that she is uniquely suited for in a company that shares her values and on her purpose you know what i mean which is to help change lives through exercise fitness and nutrition now so that to me is just a great story um, about this exact concept like you need to be headed in the right direction then when you're doing that now we can talk about the the tactics of a successful career. Like, for example, systems, as you brought up, you know, and, and that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak to that in this regard. You know, one thing that we learned at Precision Nutrition growing what became the world's largest coaching program, I mean, we've coached over 200,000 clients now online, Incredible. um, is that people's presumption about, let's call it scale and automation and, um, systems is that it makes things less personal right Mm -hmm. so if if i were to say hey mark uh you know thanks for let's say you contacted me for coaching i'd be like hey mark listen um we could we could do one-on-one coaching that's fine but instead i'd like to put you in a coaching group that i coach because i think it would actually enhance your experience and you're like oh that's cool how many people are in the group and i'm like not 250 guys (laughs) right your immediate assumption, as would everyone else's, is, is how could you possibly give me the personal attention and care that I need if you've got 250 other people to Just care for? going to get lost in the sea, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so in other words, we believe that necessarily um, as the, the scale goes up, that quality goes down, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we started creating our coaching program, the question was this. Could we impact more lives across the world um, in a way that scales because you have to scale if you're going to make a bigger difference, right? Mm -hmm. In a way where quality actually goes up, right? So when you ask different questions of the world, you get different answers, right? Like if you ask the question, can we scale uh, without quality going down? I think you come up with a different solution then. Can we scale with quality scaling proportionally with it so you actually get better quality as a client if there's more people in your group so if we were to create a program that could do that what would that look like and that's what became precision nutrition coaching and the idea was that we could use technology systems right and whether that's tech or whether that's you know um, like analog systems that's individuals or you know um, different automations that are analog Um, to do the work that automations do best and free up the human to actually have personal time with their clients. You know what I mean? So in other words, like, you know, if, if I'm, I, I remember my days as a personal trainer, I always joke about this. I remember I lived in Miami beach right after undergrad I spent a year in Miami Beach running a personal training business. And my clients would call me at like all hours of the day and night. I remember one time this guy called me. It was like 11.30 p.m. on a Friday night. And he was like, JB, I'm at the grocery store. <laughs> you told me to get like peanut awesome. butter or whatever. Uh, there's four kinds here. What kind should I get? Right? And that's like the perfect automation moment, right? Like, do I, need I don't need to, to personally tell him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Peanut butter questions a hundred times a week. No. Right. That's a machine could do that or a script that I'd written in advance that I attached to, you know, the meal suggestions for the week Um, that can do that work so that when there's a real troubleshooting situation, I can be present for that. So that's, this is my argument in favor of systems. They allow you to automate what a machine can do best, especially nowadays that we have machines all around us that can do things for us, um, and it allows us then to be available For the human work of connecting building a real relationship with someone so that they're bought into the process and then troubleshooting when there are things that the computer or the machine can't troubleshoot so that for me is why I think people ought to be thinking about this because this is the number one thing that comes up when I talk about systems I'm like hey uh, you know write down the most common hundred questions you get in your practice put them in a Google sheet. And uh, whenever they come up, you just copy and paste it and sign off the right name. You know what I mean? (laughs) And people are like, oh, but that feels so – I'm like, wait, but, but do you really need to type get the natural peanut butter, the kind with the oil on top, 100 times this year? Like that seems like a colossal waste of your training, talent experience and frankly the minutes that you have on the earth you know why not just copy and paste that one and then when someone says hey you know i had a loss in my family uh my fitness is still important how do how do i navigate that i'm flying to a funeral on tuesday you can be present to help coach that rather than the peanut butter thing
1: yeah when it matters and that idea of efficiency is so important and it's interesting how it spans so many different domains i mean i saw a recent study showing that you know as you mentioned with automation the ability to diagnose a lot of conditions in medicine is going to be so great that medical schools will be screening for you know applicants abilities to be able to connect with people you know that the bedside manner is going to be the most important thing and if we think about elite sport i mean how many times is it your ability to connect with that athlete that helps to get over the hump versus you know just being able to deliver some of that material so you know, if we circle back, John, you talked about unique abilities. And mm-hmm. I think oftentimes, you know, we all have our own biases or we all, you know, you know, can't totally see in the rear view mirror all around us. And so mm-hmm. how does one start to put their finger on or take the time even to look at their own unique abilities? And I know you have a lot of exercises in the book, but I think that's something that people, we tend to assume our own abilities or unique abilities that yeah. we don't really take some time to work through and reflect on those things. Yeah, and and we're often just so
2: wrong about what they are. To be, to be <laughs> yeah. frank, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, and this is this is true of anything. Like the the meta principle here is you don't know. Like, what do you what do your customers or clients want to buy? You can make something up, but you don't know. What are your unique abilities? Ah, you can try and write it down, but you don't know. You know, hey, I just wrote an article. Is it any good? I think so. Maybe, maybe not. You don't know. You don't know. Like anything that any important piece of work that you do in the world that is going to impact others in any way, uh, you are not the best judge of that alone. You know, what I mean, it is important to have intuition about the quality of your work and stuff, but you need to loop other people into the process. So the unique abilities thing is the perfect example of that. Um, and and I should I, I want to tell a little bit of the story of the genesis of this work because. Um, The way that I came to finding the unique ability process and then using it is, you know, we were several years into the growth of precision nutrition, um, and I stopped having fun. I loved my work previously, you know, essentially the work that I am uniquely suited to do, um, and like the best is basically sort of research, Mm -hmm. um, Writing, so communication, it's, it's communication as a bucket, but I, I love writing. I love communicating what I'm learning in the research and translating it and this something people can use. Uh, and then the last thing is I love marketing because it's kind of the, the best mix there is out there of research and stories, right? Marketing is writing and storytelling. And if you do it right, you're going to use a lot of data. And so I, I was director of marketing, director of research and director of content at PM. And so when I do those things, I have a blast. But what was starting to happen was the company was growing, we we're hiring more people, and I was doing very little of those things. Instead, I was managing, I was basically doing what like you would consider leadership, I was like the C something O, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was miserable. And, and weeks would go by where I wouldn't spend any time on the things I loved, I would be in meetings all the time, I'd be managing new team members, and it was frustrating because At a certain point, you realize, like, oh, the the big leverage, like the high leverage things, I ought to be doing, I'm not doing because I'm managing people doing lower leverage work. Like we hired them to do. It's not low importance. It's just lower leverage. It didn't have a chance to make as big of a difference on the growth of the company or Mm -hmm. the reach or whatever. And so I'm like, okay, we hired these folks to do lower leverage work to free me up to do higher leverage work, but it's actually the opposite. I'm actually just managing them. And I had this narrative, too, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs do, is that as a company grows, you float on top of it, right? So uh, as it is just a a founder-led thing, and there's just a few people, everyone's just doing work. Mm -hmm. But then you hire more people, and you have to become a manager. And then when you hire managers, then you have to become the leader of managers, and you become the, you know, see something O. And and I I was miserable. And I, I have these notebooks all over my house where, you know, whatever subject, I have a work notebook, I have a family notebook. If I'm doing any experiments, I have an experiment notebook. And I, have the, I still have the notebook from, from this day where I just wrote down, like, I was so sad for so long, ways to get out of it, you know, like how I could get out of this crappy scenario I was in mm-hmm. that made me miserable every day. It made me leave work just not, with no energy for my family. And, you know, the top of the list was like, you know, sell my shares of Precision Nutrition. The next was just give them to my partner. And the last uh-huh. item on the list was just kill myself. <laughs> Jeez. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, you know, this Time wasn't, out. yeah, you know, like, and, and, you know, people talk about like earnest suicide attempts or thoughts. And I'm like, Dad, okay, this isn't that. But I just wrote down kill myself in my notebook this is indicative of a change that needs to come. So I, I have, I'm a huge believer in counseling. So, you know, I always am doing some kind of counseling. So this was part of the solution there. But the other part was this, you know, Phil, I called Phil uh, co-founder of PN. And I, I was like, Hey, can you come spend the day with me? I want to share some of this with you. And he, and his thing was just like, cool. He listened. And then he was like, JB, that narrative about you needing to become a leader or whatever, it's fake it's not true like we need you doing the things you're uniquely good at we can hire executives so um but we need to figure out what exactly you're uniquely good at so we went on this path to figure out how to do that right and we found a number of processes and the unique abilities one was the most meaningful for us so we ran it on each other basically and it became just this clarifying moment as we got the answers and we did the process and then i posted mine up on my office where it still lives today as a constant reminder of what i ought to be spending 80% of my work time on and so for those listening you know the idea is you're going to ask 10 people in your life some friends some family some colleagues um what a, a series of questions you know who am i what are the kinds of things you count on me for what would the world lose if i wasn't in it anymore and you have them fill out this series of 10 or 12 questions and then you'll do it yourself and then you triangulate the answers so you look at the common themes that emerge and those themes end up becoming a, a, when you put in the work a unique ability statement for you it, and and the thing is Everyone I share this with is like, yeah, that sounds nice. And then they do it. And they're like, that is the most meaningful process I've ever done professionally in my entire life for two reasons. One is emotional one. It feels freaking great when you get back the answers. Right. It's very affirming because you're not you're not asking anyone what you suck at. You get lots of that feedback <laughs> in your life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? This is the one moment where everyone gets to tell you what you're great at, what the world would lose if you're not in it. And so it just becomes this huge pile of good feelings dropped off on your desk. So that's part one. And then part two is it's, it's like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have considered this my unique ability, but eight out of 10 people said it was. And that's why you only need 10, because the themes emerge so quickly. And, you know, I always tell the story of my daughter. um, While we were going through this process, I was, uh, uh, I walked out in the kitchen, and she was working on a craft. And I was like, oh, hey, buddy, what are you up to? And she's sort of explaining what she's working on. And I was like, oh, hey, I I don't know, do you want some suggestions I have? Like, I'd love to share a couple ideas. She's like, yeah, great. And so I shared them, and she's like, oh, dad, before we get started, um, you're really great at this, by the way, <laughs> you know, she's like, you're, I always have these ideas and you share ways to make it better. Um, And then just it's, and then it's more fun and it turns out better. And ah, it's just, it's just so fun to work with you like this. And I, I mean, that's very special for me as a dad, but she just added to my unique ability statement, right? Because it's actually true. It's one of the things that I'm best at. I'm, best at sort of I'm great at sharing a vision of a project giving it to a team to come up with a draft set of ideas and then coming back in and finding ways to make it markedly better like to take it over the finish line best in class that's what I do but I would have never wrote that down on my unique ability statement largely because sometimes people are super annoyed with it you know what I mean they're like hey this is a project we've been working on this is our baby and I'm like that's really cool. This is a great draft.
1: This like, is how ah. we're going to change it.
2: <laughs> exactly. They're like, draft. damn. This is like this is the best. This is this is amazing. Don't you see it? I'm like, no, it's good. It's very good, but it's not great. What? You don't think our work is great? No. No work is great until it goes through this kind of process, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is just an example of how others. And this in this case it was my 8-year-old who uh, can help us find our unique abilities in ways we would have never found them ourselves. So um, again, you know we have this whole process for it in the book, but you can get started without that. I mean, you can even just Google this idea and, and you'll find I, I share it on our changemaker Academy website so you don't need the book for it but um, just the idea of going out and seeking these things out so you can get more clarity on what you ought to be doing next in your career and this doesn't matter if you're at the beginning or at the middle or in the tail end of it you can still always find better alignment with who you uniquely are and I, I always like to tell the story I was we were in Arizona last year and I was in the bread aisle and I saw this bread that jumped out at me and it was this guy like Dave <laughs> and Dave is muscular um, and he's playing the guitar on the bread you know? <laughs> like, what? and it's like high protein, low carb, like healthy bread, right? Quote unquote healthy bread. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know Dave, but I'm just imagining the story of him being the embodiment of everything I'm talking about here, right? So imagine there's this guy, Dave, and he loves rock and roll and he plays the guitar and he loves to work out and he has big muscles and he's known for that and he also loves food and cooking and baking and all that kind of stuff. And that's a weird combination of things, right? And so, Culminating in him like, playing guitar and yeah, the bread. Instead of being like, I ignore two-thirds of myself and I go do this for work, Dave's like, screw it. I'm making Dave's high protein rock and roll muscle bread That's and it's, awesome. it's it's in all the stores in the States. And you know, I, I bought it. I tried it. It was good. It wasn't my favorite bread, you know, <laughs> but nevertheless, I love the idea of people finding these little things in themselves that are unique and special and different and using them rather than ignoring them when they go to work on Monday. And so In my mind, who knows, like Dave could be a fictitious character for all I know, but um, in my mind, that's what Dave did. And that's what I want to help other people do. Like, let's figure out what you bring special to this thing and don't copy me. You know, I, had, I do some consulting and a, a guy contacted me recently that I know really well. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, I'd love for you to help me build a content engine like Precision Nutrition has. And so PN publishes free articles and you know, we get a few million visitors a month to the site. And people generally regard our content as best in class. You know, articles, infographics, animated videos. For sure. And, um, and I was like, I could show you how I built the PN content engine. Cause that was my baby. I, you know, I was editor in chief until last year where I hired someone in to do that. Um, and I'm like, but you shouldn't do it. And he's like, well, why not? And it's the same as that woman earlier. I'm like, I look around at your company today and they have a great company. Um, uh, they're doing eight figures annually in sales. So it's no joke. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, there's literally no one there who does content like this already. Uh, In other words, it's no one's unique ability at your entire company right now. So to do this, you would need to hire a whole bunch of new people to do this kind of work. Um, What you have to understand is when I was like 18, 19 years old, I was reading Muscle Media magazine, which was print mag. Oh, man, I remember. (laughs) You know, in the old days when that's how information was disseminated. yeah. Uh, and I would write like faux articles for Muscle Media in my parent in the bedroom of my parents' house in, on, with pen and paper um, because that's what I did. You know what I mean? I wrote content before anyone paid me to write content before I should have been writing content. <laughs> this is what I did. So I'm like, what y'all have to figure out is what's happening like that for you, and then make that as good as our content. You know what I mean? And for them, it's what we're doing right now, talking on microphones. Their whole team is always making podcasts and doing all this other stuff. So I'm like, cool. How do you become best in class at the thing you're already doing? I I call it ride the horses in the direction they're already going. (laughs) Nice. Turn them around and make them go a different way, you know?
1: Get all that momentum, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, fantastic insights. I mean the unique abilities, the systematizing, all these things are so fundamental to, to being able to, to be a change maker and have the impact that, you know, people want to have. And of course, you know, you've obviously got a young family, you're very busy. I get a lot of questions from clients, you know, who have young families in terms of, you know, it's a busy time periods of their mm-hmm. career, the, the demands are the highest as well. And so there's all these different things pulling at their attention and time. So, you know, for yourself, if you, you know, what are some things that are strategies that you have to sort of uh, protect some time for family and exercise or personal time? You know, being able to fulfill all those things when, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, work can become, you know, the 95, 97.5% of what they're doing in the day. Hmm. Well, you know,
2: I, I should probably start off with saying it's never easy. It's a challenge for everyone, right? Um, in, including me. Uh, I just... I updated my um, bio photos, I guess, recently. You know, the last time I had photo- professional photos taken for various things like bio photos and author photos nice. was like nine years ago. And so recently I sent one of them out, and uh, an editor was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like what? what do you mean? And he's like, "What was this taken when you were eighteen? Send me something. Send me something newer." And I was like, "All right, I guess it's time to update." So I just took them, and I, I have markedly more gray hairs than I did nine years ago. That's <laughs> for sure, and I attribute them all to my four children. Um, exactly. But, you know, the so it's never easy, but um, there's there's a process I use, and and it works pretty well. And the idea is, that, number one, based on the work we talked about, the Values sort of origin story leads to your purpose, which leads to your unique abilities, which leads to your values Once you get clarity on that it makes your days way easier Like I literally have all those things posted on my office my values my unique abilities my purpose So that it makes it really easy to decide what to say yes to and no to on a daily basis So how do you protect time for the important things in your life? No, you have to learn. No Um, Okay, great but what do I say yes to and what do I say no to? I don't know. I can't tell you that. But you have to figure it out through this process of self-discovery, which, again, I lay out in the book. And so for me, it's this sort of internally consistent system, which starts with you have to know who you are, what you want. So let's let's make that the circle of you, right? Then the second thing is you have to know what the people you hope to serve, who they are. And what they want. So it's a circle of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then you have to find where that Venn diagram overlaps. You know what I mean? It's They're not going to be 100% overlap, yep. right? But there's got to be some overlap, some common ground where it's like what they want, need, and are willing to pay for. And what you who you are and what you do and what you can offer them and you find that space and that's the space where you say yes to professional opportunities in there and you're constantly asking yourself is this opportunity in that space or do i have to sacrifice my own values and unique abilities do something i'm not great at to deliver something from their circle that's not in mine or am i about to start delivering something that's in mine but not in theirs right like if dave came out with like uh, I don't know uh, Dave's rock and roll muscle crickets one step like, too nah, far yeah I don't like crickets brother I don't <laughs> like muscular mean? crickets should have done bread <laughs> yeah. you know um, so and, and again this this isn't uh, you have to see like how this builds out a system of Definitely. thinking that allows you then to say no to things now here's here's the trick Um, if your family's important to you, if your self-care is, and these are the ones that are important to me, so I can just share my example. I just have written down my values and my values are, um, be a present parent and partner, um, spend time with self-care daily and, um, invest in professional projects that are in an alignment with my unique abilities these are the three things it's written here on my wall and i look at it every day to remind myself because i forget every day i wake up i'm like oh i want to be fun to do x today and then I'm wait like, a minute oh. i wrote this down when i was clear thinking one day um and so those are the things right literally everything else is a no so i get a social invite thank you so much i appreciate it can't go Um, I get invited to speak at events and do trips. Love the opportunity. It sounds so amazing. I'm so regretful. I can't go, but I can't do it. Um, So literally everything else is a no. And um, there's one more piece of the puzzle that makes this work. And I think it speaks to uh, sometimes when we're not really confident in what's going to make the biggest difference, what we say yes to right? So, I mean, for a lot of people, they don't know what their unique abilities are and their values and their purpose. So now this is just throwing darts at a a dartboard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for
1: sure. You
2: know, it's hard to prioritize when you don't know which direction you're going, who you are, who the people are that you're trying to serve. There's a lot of different roads to take. Yeah. Good luck. So what's going to happen then is every opportunity that comes in, you're going to just randomly say yes or no to it. Uh, you'll probably say yes to a lot of the wrong things. You might say no to some of the things that could have been right for you. You'll probably do more things than you ought to do. And then that's going to infringe upon time with family and your self-care, and we see it all the time, right? So you see the system is flawed, right? There, There's not a directionality to your decision-making that's super clear, and it's designed in a moment of clear thinking, you know, which isn't every day for <laughs>
0: yeah. me. For that's, you that's a
2: really important <laughs> caveat there, a moment of clear thinking for sure. And then the other part is, uh, you have to. If you're going to say no to a lot of things, the things that you ha- you say yes to have to be things that matter and will make a difference. So if if financial is what your goal is, then you have to say yes to the things that will bring the biggest financial benefit. And this is the trick, right? Early in your career, you don't have instincts for that, so your purpose and your unique abilities and everything may like may be in alignment. But when you don't know which things, which yeses will bring you the biggest return for your time investment, you end up saying yes to more things than you ought to, right? It's just, yep. you're hedging your bets, right? It's you like- Don't to miss um, out on that thing and so- That's right, you know? And, and I've only learned this in the tail end of my career where I'm like, oh, I've been doing this for so long, my instincts are very good. So when someone's like, here's a great opportunity, um, do you want to do this? And I'm like, oh, on the surface, it seems great, but oh- I've seen this kind of thing before (laughs) and several times actually, and it hasn't worked out. Oh, all right. So yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it this time. I'm going to say yes to this other thing, which has a higher probability of success. But if you don't know what those things are, the strategy is go talk to people who will, you know, and this is uh, what Ray Dalio in his book calls triangulation among believable professionals. So the idea is believability is the criteria for who you ought to ask. So someone is believable when they've done the thing before successfully. They've done it repeatedly in different conditions. Now, raise an investor, so it provides a very convenient example, different market conditions, right? And then the third is they can explain it to you in a way that both makes sense for your business or whatever you want to call it, and it makes sense to you. You get it. Because if you don't get it, it doesn't matter how sage the advice is. If you don't understand it, then you can't use it effectively. So it's ask a number of believable people if you're not sure um, and use the believability criteria. And that helps you decide among the opportunities that seem like good ones, which ones to choose. And I had a moment like this recently. There was a, a colleague of, of mine reached out and was like, hey, um someone asked me if if I'd be part of this project, and it has like five marquee celebrity entertainers and athletes like if you think of a basketball player right now, whoever the first person that comes to mind is, it's him yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, it's people like that right yep and uh, and I was like, he's like, this seems so amazing of an opportunity and I was like, okay. It, it's cool but there's going to be a bunch of downsides to that it's going to be a tremendous amount of time and effort the financial reward is going to be small you're going to think it's going to give you this huge opportunity for exposure but it's only going to be a very modest exposure that you're going to get and, and you know this mark like you've worked with elite athletes for a long time now you're like man once i work with that one marquee person career over <laughs> there you go. Hang <laughs> up. It, are going to be throwing yeah. the money yeah. at me, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's simply not true, right? Like, uh, I consider the, like, every great, which seems like it's going to be a grand slam, you know, to you, is really just barely getting on base. The bun single, yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? So I was like, this is how you have to think about this. And I know this because I've seen it so many times before, and I'm glad that I'm a believable person in your network so you didn't sink a bunch of time and hope into it. Um, so... If you go do it, here's what's going to happen on the pro side and here's what's going to happen on the con side. Now you can weigh it appropriately and see if it's something you're willing to fly to Los Angeles for two weeks to, and be away from your family to do. You know, So that's really, you can see I have a whole system built around this. You, know, you have to know who you are and what you ought to be doing. Uh, you have to then say yes to the things that are in that domain. And if you're not sure and you find yourself saying yes to more things and essentially hedging your bet because you're a little scared because you don't know what's going to work out, then you have to go seek outside input. And like I said earlier, it just comes back to this principle. What are my unique abilities? I don't know. You don't know either. (laughs) You have to ask people, you know, what is good work? You have to ask people. What is a good opportunity? You have to ask people because if you don't have enough reps and you don't have enough experience, you don't have the right instincts for knowing what the outcome is going to be. I don't know if you read the book many years ago, stumbling upon happiness. Yes. Uh, Daniel book, right. And I, I always just, it's always stuck with me, this idea that humans are so bad at remembering how things went in the past and how they felt about how they went in particular. Right. Like sometimes you get some of the facts, right. But you don't remember how you felt. And we're really, really bad at predicting how we'll feel when we get things or things happen in the future. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. We're so flawed in this way. Right. So we need some kind of system to dose us with reality. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And the only way to know, like, hey, when I get this thing in the future, uh, how will I feel is not by thinking it through in our own head. The only way to get closer to knowing how maybe you might feel is to ask people who are kinda like you, who went through a similar journey, who got that thing, how they felt. You know, and that's not even a great marker, but it increases your probability of understanding how you might feel.
1: Very sage advice and uh, you know, Changemaker is such a fantastic book, JB it's it's amazing that it's you know the start of a new year the start of a new decade i think it's definitely going to be you know changing a lot of lives in terms of how it impacts practitioners and of course you know as you mentioned at the start just like yourself in your own life how they can impact other people so you know thanks so much for putting the time into the to the work all the fantastic work you you do at pn and uh you know these days where can people stay connected with you and what you're up to down
2: yeah i'd love people to just pop over to JohnBarardi.com. um I, for the first time in a really long time, I, I have my own website now, you know, it was <laughs> Congratulations. Precision Nutrition. So from there, people can jump off, like uh, they can download a free uh, sample, a couple of free chapters from the book. Uh, listeners, if you like, you can just pop over there and do that. It also talks about all my other projects. It links you off to our nutrition work and various other things. If, if you want to launch uh, off of that and see that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it links you to my socials. So, you know, I have a facebook page that i post on every day and i also uh recently joined the ranks of instagrammers i don't i'm still deciding how i feel about (laughs) that you know it's about eight weeks ago um that i started posting on instagram and um that's been interesting learning for sure so yeah people can just jump off and find all the things
1: uh from my uh, john website if they're interested and curious phenomenal we'll definitely include those links and jb Thanks again for taking the time out today. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate you having me on. Again, everyone who's listening,
2: thank you for spending some time with us. We've been chatting for about an hour and hopefully it's brought some value to your life.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dr. Buzz Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content, please consider subscribing on iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcasting platform. Show your support and it's also a tremendous help to the show and helps us to continue to attract high quality guests. If you haven't heard, my new book, PEAK, the new science of athletic performance that is revolutionizing sports is out. And I'm pleased to announce we actually hit the Amazon bestseller list in Canada and in the US in sports medicine, physical medicine and rehab and holistic medicine categories. So you can find out more info on that and the expert insights athleteevolution.org athleteevolution.org and of course you can pick up a copy on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters Indigo, Waterstones or your local booksellers. Awesome, if you have any questions or want to leave a comment on today's episode you can reach out on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Dr. Bubbs. and thanks again folks for listening and we'll see you all next week with more expert insights.